York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. out New York, New York, big city of dreams. Yo, what? for people and search engines with SEMrush SEO Writing Assistant. Get your copy SEO read. Okay, that was wild because my YouTube is usually on mute, and <laughs> for whatever reason, it was playing. It's one of those <laughs> nights. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Ryan G from the Nick of Time Show, where we give you the Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. As you can see, it's a two-man show tonight, Ryan G and Lee, but... Jalen is here. He's in the background. The reason why you can't see him is because his camera's not working. That's why you see me and Lee right here. I will ask Jalen what he thinks of the next performance tonight. Since he is here and active, you know, you just can't see him. So the Knicks had a disappointing loss tonight to the Utah Jazz that had no Collins. And um, who, who else was missing for the Jazz tonight? No Collins and no Clarkson. Yeah, Clarkson. He, Lose to the Utah Jazz one seventeen to one thirteen. The Knicks allowed Jazz, which is which are one of the which is one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA, to shoot sixteen of forty two from three, thirty eight percent. And I'm gonna just go through the stats right quick. So the Knicks were led by Julius Randle, thirty two points, twelve rebounds, six assists. Probably besides Defensive was probably like the lone offensive weapon for the Knicks tonight. DiVincenzo had a good game, too. 21 points, 7 rebounds, four, 1 assist, 4 of 9 from 3. He was the only guy even knocking down threes to begin with in the whole game. Um, Brunson had a bad game tonight. Um, 6 of 19 shooting from the field, 11 of 60 from the free throw line, 0 of 6 from 3-point range, 23 points, 8 assists. RJ Barrett had an off night as well, three of 16 from the field, all seven from three. He couldn't find it tonight, nine points, and quickly had 15 points off the bench. The Knicks' next eight games are against teams over 500, and this is a game that the, that the Knicks needed tonight against a bad Jazz team, and they blew it. So I'm going to go to Lee because Lee says he got he's bringing the flamethrower tonight, and it is well-deserved. So, Lee, go ahead. What are your thoughts about the game tonight? No signs tonight. I, I didn't. I didn't dust the sign out the closet. But let me say, I think there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter tonight. They're going to start calling for Tibbs' head. I think that, and it's it's not a one game thing. I am not a part of either positive or negative in its Twitter. In fact, both of them annoy the hell out of me. Positive in its Twitter was really annoying immediately out the gate tonight after this loss. I was arguing with a few of them online. But that being said, this has been a season long epidemic where the Knicks have been unable to beat any team with a winning record uh, of with any substance. And tonight, to after really brutal losses to Milwaukee and Boston, which exposed us as being one to maybe two tiers below the upper echelon of the East, we drop a game in Utah as they're trying to reassert Laurie Markkinen, their highest usage and highest on-ball player, back into their rotation and starting lineup. And it looked like they they had been playing on all, firing on all cylinders from three-point defense and uh, passing for the entire season instead of being an under-500 team, one of the few worst teams in the NBA that they actually are. It was an embarrassment. I put this L on everyone but Randall. I think IQ had good moments. I'm not going to blame IQ, 
but the reason that he didn't finish a game is why the, the L is most primarily on Tibbs's uh, bald head this this evening. Tibbs, especially his rotations and consistent, porous strategy on defense, guarding the perimeter, guarding um, cutters and slashers to the paint, those backdoor passes, like the, the ability or the discernment to hedge on guarding the three or guarding the paint, the de- deciding when to double, when not to double, and allowing whose man's is that, like T- Taylor Horton Tucker, to torch us and pull Michael Jordan-esque moves on the Nitz interior defense. It, not having Mitch is not an excuse. The defense has been awful all year. It was a question mark last year as well. And for a coach who is supposed to hang his hat on being a defensive mastermind, it's been an embarrassing example of of this team, an indictment of him as a voice and a leader on that side of the ball. I am not calling for his head. I do not think he should be fired, primarily because there is not a coach out there who is better than him, who can come in and who I think can do a better job with this group. I do think that we have reached maximum ceiling. This is who Tibbs is, and this is what a Tibbs coach team will look like with the New York Knicks uh, in this roster. And I do not blame anyone on Twitter or any social media platform that's calling for him to be fired. I understand that sentiment, but I, I do not support it myself. That could change by the, by the playoffs. But I am ser- reserving all of my opinions on him being fired for playoff performance, not a single regular season game or the regular season in general. Yeah, um, Thibs definitely has some blame tonight because this season it's been proven time and time again that the Knicks are poor defensive three-point shooting. They, they just guarded three poorly. And teams that shoot the ball poorly end up having great nights against the Knicks shooting the three. And I know Thibs puts a preference on guarding the paint, you know, not giving easy baskets in the paint and having having this place collapse in the paint rather than guarding the perimeter. <clears throat> but it as the games go on, it's proving time and time again that Thibs needs to kind of adjust his defensive style because he has to remember this is not the NBA of old where you had big men in the paint punishing in the paint and you had guys shooting mid-range jumpers and going to the basket often and things of that nature. This is a three-point shooting league nowadays. All players are practicing their three-point shot. All players are trying to get better at their three-point shot. That is where the NBA is trending nowadays and if you cannot defend the three i don't know how you can be successful in this league i think what people fail to realize is that then why didn't why the knicks have a winning record and why the knicks have been able to get away with poor three-point defense is because the knicks been shooting the ball well from three-point range so oftentimes it cancels out so if it's so if a team is knocking in threes against the knicks usually the knicks can counter that and knock in threes themselves and keep up and win games. But as you can see, when the Knicks are not knocking in their threes like they did, like they were doing tonight, they were cold from three. And on top of that, they were allowing the Jazz to get wide open looks. And then oftentimes, you know, running out late to, you know, late to contest the three. But by then, the ball's already up. You know, it's not, it's not really a legit contest. So a lot of it goes on dips tonight. A lot of it is, the players' defensive rotations as well, because mm-hmm. this was a concern. Because even though the Knicks beat the Raptors the last game, I'm the defensive rotations were poor. 
That's why Toronto was able to drop 130 on the Knicks because the Knicks were poor defensively. The only thing, the only thing that saved the Knicks in that game was the fact that they were able to score the ball. But as you can see, they weren't able to score the ball tonight and weren't able to guard the three, and the Jazz and, and the Jazz killed them. And if the Knicks are going to continue to guard the three like this, how are they going to do against the Suns? How are they going to do against the Clippers? How are they going to do against the Lakers? Those are the next three games coming up for the Knicks. So if the Knicks don't get the defensive rotations right and start guarding the three, this could easily turn into a four or five game losing streak for the Knicks. That's all I got to say. Um, JL, do you want to chime in and and give your thoughts on the game? Man, we can't guard a two either. We can't guard anything. That's that's my thing. <laughs> like what we, Mitchell Robinson was the only thing that was even saving us from guarding the paint. Our pick and roll defense was horrible. It was preposterous. I, it, it, it was it was deplorable. I, we couldn't guard anything. We couldn't guard the ball. We couldn't. We 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 need to just rehaul the whole defense. And a lot of it is. I feel like it's partly scheme, but then it's also the team's urgency level is not as high as it is at, until a game is on the line. Like I saw in the fourth quarter, the defense really clamped down in the fourth quarter. Maybe it's the nerves of the Utah Jazz, but to me, it, it seems like the Knicks decided, you know what, we want to play defense from the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. And when they did that, that's when we finally get decided to get some stops. And I'm not sure if it was like that the entire game. I feel like the, the first quarter started off that way, but then it was very sometimesy. And we need to be more consistent in when we play defense and, and in how we play defense. And and it's funny because the the second unit, man, the second unit too. The second unit is really what what lost us to the lead. Like we were we had a ten point lead going into the second quarter, but the second unit is really what lost us to the lead. And I'm starting to really be concerned with R.J. Barrett. Um performances and his long stretches six seven eight nine ten eleven shots with zero buckets like that that is not normal actually i really wanted ebony to be here for the for today because that concerns me that really concerns me and and the offensive performances of our team edge on rj and jerry and and jalen brunson making shots and they both missed it. I, I found myself, I found myself going, damn, Randall needs some help. And I'm usually saying, damn, Jalen needs some help. Man. I'm I'm wondering where the, where the hell is everybody else now? That's that's where I'm at right now. The players missing shots, shooting 43.6% from the field and 23.1% from three. That's on the players. But the free throw shooting is 68.8%. That to me, that has a lot to do with coaching. That has to do with emphasis on the little things, making sure that, the, that you're cleaning up, that you're adjusting game to game, that you're making sure that your players are shooting the amount of free throws or practicing free throws or focusing on free throws, or at least knowing who's going to go into the paint and who's going to be those guys in late game situations that can hit their free throws if they get fouled. That type of game management and free throw management, that's on tips and a coaching staff. I understand the players are missing shots. That's on the players. But the steaming the lack of adjustments on defense, the rigidity of a Tim shows in his rotations, the inability for him to allow hot shooters, especially if they're a bench player, to stay in the game and not revert back to your, your starting lineup, those things are on Tibbs. 
And to me, I think the, there's a lot of players in this game that deserve this L, but I don't think any single one deserves it more than Tibbs. But there also needs to be a conversation about Leon Rose in the front office and the type of roster they built. When I saw that Taj Gibson signing, I laughed to myself. Taj Gibson, man, nice time. I don't call him a guy a bum. Solid vet, had a great career. But that ain't it, man. That, don't placate the Tibbs and get his best friend in there to fill that final roster spot. This roster has significant holes. Get a spacer. It could even be a Kelly Olenek. Use a protected pick. Maybe some a Sims. It's a bad example because we need him right now. A McBride. And don't get Kelly Olenek. And get someone who can play the four, the five, who can stretch defense, who's a good fouler, who's solid around the rim, who can play mate at the four and five position too. That's the type of guy we need. Someone who has a little bit of ceiling. Someone who brings really different elements to this team as it's currently built. Not a Taj Gibson, who's been here now for the third time. We know exactly what he brings. And it's a very, very, very low floor. That's the wrong move. I, uh, there's responsibility on Tibbs for how this roster is utilized. There's also responsibility on Leon Rose for how this roster is built. Yeah, I mean, those are some good points right there. Um, yeah, I saw the Taj Gibson signing, and I didn't really understand it because I think at this point in his career, he's a guy that he's a good locker room guy. You know, he's a good veteran to have on a team. You know, he's a guy that, you know, he'll make sure, you know, everybody is in check and things of that nature. You know, he's a leader, but I don't think that's really the move that the Knicks need to make at the moment, especially when Mitchell Robinson is going to be out eight to ten weeks. Because Todd Gibbs is not going to offer you much, especially compared to the guys we have playing now with Hardenstein and Sims. Like, you know, he Todd Gibbs is not going to contribute a lot in those in that area. So it's one of those things where it's like I can definitely see the Knicks trying to make a move at the trade deadline, which is something that they which is something that Leon Rose has proven that he normally does. Mm-hmm. And see if he can find a piece out there that he can bring to the Knicks and help raise the ceiling of the team a bit more. But I think the things that are clear, clearly evident are the Knicks need to improve their perimeter defense. They have to guard the three better. And that's on coaching and that's on Thibs to make that adjustment and, and drill into the, his players' heads that, you know yes. what, you have to guard the three. You cannot leave the three open. And these next three games are going to be telling because you're going to, you're going up against three teams in the West that are pretty damn good. And the Knicks cannot afford to lose all three of those games. They have to at least take one of those games. So I think these next three games are going to be telling, but I'm going to move on. And Jay Ellis mentioned RJ Barrett. So tonight, RJ Barrett had a bad game, three of 16 or seven from three, only nine points. It seemed like he was, it seemed like he kind of found his rhythm in the third quarter. I think he scored seven points in the third quarter. But then after that, he was pretty much ineffective and Dibs never Dibs didn't play him, you know, for the last minutes in the fourth quarter. But um, what are your thoughts on RJ Barrett's performance tonight? I don't get too upset on on single games. Um last couple of years. I I try to bring context to my viewpoints and how I watch something and not be too knee-jerk on things that happen game by game. But this has been since the migraine return. It's been very troubling. I talked in the beginning of the season about how happy I was to be wrong about where I thought R.J. Barrett's ceiling was. It's looking like it reverted back to to what my fear was, which is a good, not great player. Someone who can store 20 points, but does he store about 20 efficiently? 
And we're seeing him being able to to score maybe 16, 17, but the shooting percentages from three, the shooting percentages from two, the shooting percentages from the mid-range are all below average. And the the defense has been inconsistent effort as well. He he does, man, I I don't know what it is, but I I don't want to say that he's lost his shot, but I do think he's lost his confidence. And the way that our offense is run, where it's heavy isolation and read and react, it doesn't play to getting him easy shots. So he's never done really have an opportunity to get his rhythm back because we have a point guard that doesn't really run point and get people involved. And we have a second star that prefers to shoot every time he has a ball in his hands and a bunch of other players that need help facilitating their offense and are not facilitators primarily themselves. That's a tough for our position for RJ to shoot himself out of a slump. It's really on him to force the issue. And where things were coming to him really easy in the beginning of the season is no longer a case. Defenses are defenses are dialing in on him. And when he is forced to face his defender up on a one-on-one situations, that's not his strength. He needs to be downhill, catching at the free throw line, and then be able to drive, draw a foul or hit around the rim. Not sh- shooting very difficult, uh, low-percentage mid-range shots, which is where Utah forced him a lot today. They tried to do it to Julius, but Julius has size and strength, and he's a better player than Rent than RJ, so he has a better time initiating his own offense. But, man, and we even talking about Brunson, man. RJ had a bad day. Brunson was total ass crap tonight, man. His inability to hit a free throw is so damn frustrating. And I'm here sitting here calling this man a superstar, but he can't hit free throws. It's hard for me to back that claim up when game after game, he chokes at the line. It's it's like, man, like that type of frustration to me hits harder than RJ don't, going through a shooting slump because – Someone like Brunson, who's known or claimed to have a very high IQ and be a, a great player, someone who's all NBA caliber, missing free throws at game to game and in very clutch situations is infuriating. And also his inability to get his teammates involved. RJ, Joyce Randall is leading the team in assists. Not jo- not Jalen Brunson. Like Brunson is amazing. He is my favorite player. I've criticized him while wearing his shirt and his jersey. That's my main guy. That's my I love him. Greatest free agent sign in NBA in this history. But damn it, man, can you get your teammates involved? Can you at least think past first sometimes and not put your head down and drive the basket and get swatted, stuffed, or, or smacked into the stands? That happens too many times, especially in games where it's obvious that the offense or RJ or Mitch really needs to get involved in that period. He he just doesn't he has a tunnel vision and he doesn't look to pass first. And all of these things are connected. I, I mentioned all these things because it's, it's systemic and all of them play off of each other. The struggles are with RJ, the inefficiency of Randall, the three point shooting of Hart, the uh, the, the, the miss foul shots of Brunson. They, all these are, are issues that are the endemic of each other and they conflate each other as games go on. So the, my optimism for this thing to turn around by the end of the season is not high. I don't think. We're going to be like 10 or 15 games under 500. I think we'll end up top six. I hope we end up top six. But things could make a really nasty turn as this schedule progresses. Hey, man, this look a little bit further past those three games. We have the butts twice. If if we're under 500 in the next six or seven games, we will be under 500 as a team in our record. And guess what? Now we're under 500 in the same spot of a season last year when fire tip, when I had the sign. Now, and me and majority of Nick's Twitter – Majority was fire as bum ass. And it's going to be the end of December, and we might be in the same damn situation. Lord help us. I hope that ain't the case. Prayers up. I'm hoping that's not the case, too. And um, speaking of R.J. Barrett, 
I think the way the Jazz played defense tonight was pretty much the perfect storm for RJ Barrett because the Jazz were in a zone defense and you and the Knicks needed to shoot the Jazz out of the zone defense tonight and the Knicks weren't able to do that and <clears throat> and that allowed the Jazz to stay in the zone defense and the zone defense is designed to stop drives to the basket. So when you have RJ struggling from three, because RJ had a lot of good looks in the first quarter, he couldn't knock down any of the threes. So that's forcing RJ to, you know, change his game and try to get to the basket. And now when he's trying to get to the basket, the Utah's in a, in a damn zone. So he's basically driving into the zone and the zone is not giving him no easy shots in the lane. And then on top of that, Jazz have Kessler in, in the back to protect and, as you can see, throughout the game, when Kessler was in the game, no Nick was was trying to even score at the basket. Every time they went to the basket, they they just dribbled out or they or they passed the ball because they were afraid to shoot the ball over Kessler. So it was the perfect form. It was the perfect storm for Barrett, and Barrett needed to knock down his outside shot tonight to be effective, and he couldn't do that. So, and and, and as for Brunson, um, yeah, I think that's the one flaw in Brunson's game. Sometimes. Well, not sometimes, but a lot of times he fails to get other teammates involved. And that could have a negative effect on a team. The Knicks are one of those teams where it's like when everything is clicking, they they look like a great team. But when things are not clicking, you see a lot of flaws. And that's what you saw tonight. Um, I'm so huh? I was, I'm really happy you brought that zone. I'm gonna make one point, then we we can get JLS in All here right. to maybe calm down the fire. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I, by the way, I'm not saying fire tips. I'm saying I understand that sentiment at the moment. For the first time since I was saying it, I understand it. I empathize with it, while I don't agree with it. But if we did a losing record at the end of December, we're in the same place we were last year. I can't tell you what I'm going to say. I, I I like to think that I'm going to keep my temperament for the playoffs, but that would look really really bad. And I would, I, I, I'm not going to be arguing with bums on Twitter anymore about firing tips. I must, I'm, I'm at least undo that. But I'm glad you brought up the zone, man, because in that second quarter, we lost a lead and they went on that run. Let me give you a little story. I, I was a terrible basketball player. My, my high school team was one of the best in the entire country, Cedar Hill, the class of 2003. We had a guy named um, Daniel Horton who got drafted by the, the Miami Heat, stellar player. He had some off the court issues in Michigan. Uh, he was an unbelievable guard. He would have thrived in today's day and age. Basically, no way in hell I'd be making a JV team as a senior at my basketball team high school. I played in the city league with a lot of guys that were really good and would have played at you know a, a decent 3A, 4A team. And I played center, undersized. I loved Kurt Thomas. I played like Kurt Thomas. When I was in the game, the opposing team would be like, zone, because I couldn't shoot <laughs> for shit. And they would have my, they would have my chunky ass on the three point line. I'd be dribbling the ball out of bounds, losing my handle, chucking up bricks, shooting air balls. Facts. That was me at seventeen in high school. I watched the Knicks in the second quarter. The damn Utah Jazz started out with a man, went to his zone, switched to a bots and one, went to his zone. What happened? We didn't score for like four and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. You're telling me an NBA team with Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett can't adjust to three defensive switches teams? Are you kidding me? Bro, I can see this? Me in Dallas at home with my cat stoned can see this. And the New York Knicks can't? Bro, <laughs> come on, man. This is It was ridiculous. It was a simplistic the, def the def defensive strategy that middle schools and high schools put out when chunky kids like me who've never seen a zone before, like, what do I do? That's how the Nets reacted. 
They went stone cold in that second quarter. Lost the lead, and Utah never looked bad. Worse, Utah got momentum, and we got confidence in their ability to stop us on the perimeter, and that continued for all three quarters, and we lost the damn game because we couldn't adjust from a man to a zone to a boxing one and back to a zone. And do you have it, um, Jealous? What did you think about Brussels' game tonight? There <laughs> was a lot <laughs> to comment on. A lot. First, first I'm gonna say RJ got his shots. He just missed them. That's what I. That's one. He was 0 for seven for three, and it wasn't like they were like contested shots. He was 0 for seven for three. What happened was he was missing his jumpers, and then he tried to force the issue. Then this is looking like 2022 RJ and go into two people <laughs> or try to yam it on three people while he had heart open and it wasn't it wasn't going in like he got in his own way today uh RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson was not I did not like Jalen Brunson's game today he's it's funny I feel like for the last few games he hasn't had the offensive pop that I'm used to having him see it usually hits that basket in the big moment and he hasn't done that in a while either uh, it, it seems like whenever we need that big basket, he, he's been clanking it, which is I'm I'm just not used to that version of him. Um, I'll push back on the assist, though. Like, he does need to move. He, he's not the best lob passer. He, but he's he's the guy who gets his assist usually when, when people are shooting threes because he's more of a kick-out guy. Uh, he had eight assists today. He had a high, uh, game-high eight assists today. Nine assists the game before. Then four assists was bad. Six assists which is decent, then back-to-back eight assists, then seven assists. So, like, these last few games, these last about eight or so games, the assist numbers have gone up for him. He's just, to me, he's just not a good lob passer to me. Um, but overall, like, the turnovers has really been a problem. The 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 bricking, the bricking in important moments have been a problem. The, bid, the bad free throws have been a problem. I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if teams are just wearing him down right now and being physical with him. And if he doesn't get the calls, he's just he's kind of zoned out. But he hasn't really picked it up. And in general, I started the season going talking about three point shooting, and that can be well guarding the three point line for sure is a big thing, but also making the three point shots is a is a huge deal. We started, we are like top 10 in three point shooting because RJ started off hot and Jalen Brunson increased his volume and he was still hitting at a high clip. Jalen Brunson had two straight games of five misses in a row and today he couldn't buy a basket as well. So for the last four games, I think he has to be like three, four, I'm going off the top of my head, like three for 20 or something crazy like that. And we can't. When that's happening, we can't take advantage of Julius Randle's good games. Uh, so I think a lot of the, so we have fires everywhere. Man. We have Tartan Stein who's playing defense, but he's he's playing defense like old school Mitch where he wants to hack everybody. We have Tibbs out here who's not playing the right people. He went six for seven. He takes him out. Grimes, who's my guy, was doing absolutely nothing on the floor. And he left him in in the fourth quarter. And in my mind, I'm like, yo, this, this is the time. But Dante, he's the only one. He had six rebounds in the first quarter and was setting people up. And now you want to play Grimes through the tough stretch when we're trying to make a comeback. I'm like, dude, this is the time to put in Dante. Like, <laughs> and, and 
I don't, and then the I don't it was just a whole bunch it was a whole bunch of weird things. This, we need we needed Hartenstein to get better with Mitch's out because we that dude the offensive rebounding from that team clobbered us and that doesn't happen with Mitch here. That doesn't happen with Mitch here. Um, Sims is still green guarding the pick and roll. Mitch can guard two people in the pick and roll. It's going to be a struggle trying to make up what Mitch has done for us for these next three months. So we just have to keep that in mind. But at the same time, we do have the personnel can step up and rise to the occasion. And they have to show consistent effort to do that. And they haven't done it today. We deserve to lose today. And even if we came back and won today, I would have I would have came in here. I would have came in here and said we deserve to lose. All facts and I think Fritz mentioned something in the chat, which is um <clears throat> which may which may be a factor in Brunson's play. Because as as you know, um late in the game, I think it was against the Celtics, if I remember correctly, he he turned his ankle. But you know, he still played, you know, the next couple of games. So I don't know if I don't know if his bad play as of late is attributed to his ankle might be hurting him, it might be bothering him. I don't know, but um hopefully, you know, Brunson can get it together. And I'm gonna switch it to a more positive note, you know, because I'm trying to, you know, get through this podcast. It's late, you know, we don't, <laughs> don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it definitely don't want to, you know, have this lost thing on our heads too long. So I'm gonna talk about the two positives in one setting. Julius Randle, Dante DiVincenzo. What are your thoughts? DiVincenzo's giving us above average play, like every facet of a game. Solid pickup. I don't like the equivocation that we trade. We basically lost Obi for the DiVincenzo as if that was at the trade. I've seen that on Twitter. Uh, there were two separate situations. Um, I, I liked DiVincenzo's contract. Uh, not, I'm not super. I'd stoked about four guaranteed years. But he seemed to be a really good fit. He plays even without his Villanova guys. He plays well with everybody, which I really like. Um, he's developing some nice two man game with Randall. He's developing a decent two man game with Mitch before too. Um, and it also is a pretty solid offensive rebounder. He has a really nice play with that putback shot today. Uh, I got nothing bad to say about Divincenzo. Even the, the bad games because of his role and the, the minutes, I, I'm okay with with his performance, good or bad. I think he's been overall very consistent. Julius Randle. I think the number one thing that I, I see in conversation around the Knicks that where I lose like overall respect and I can't help but just hop in just like roast a bum is when they start talking about Julius Randle and they call him like I, I've heard some I, I've heard evil I've heard uh, selfish I've heard he's an asshole I've heard he's a cheater I've heard he's overrated all things that are either like personal like dictations or oversimplifications for last year or not, not last year, the year before. I don't believe in the even year Randall or the odd year Randall. I think the Randall has had things going off a court or in his head that have caused him to act out. I don't think it has anything to do with the, him, his inability to strain two successful seasons together because he did that from the Lakers to New Orleans and then New Orleans to the Knicks. And then now last year and this year together, he's been unbelievable, man. Yeah, I think we take him for granted sometimes. He's an easy punching bag because like everyone still remembers that the thumb down and that has really tarnished his reputation, how he has thought about it. It's almost impossible to think about him without reverting back to that really terrible season he had where he was essentially beefing with the fans and is a huge swath of the fan base who doesn't want to talk X's and O's or nuance. 
that just wants to use him as a scapegoat for all things wrong with the team. And he has shown this season he is one of the most unstoppable players in the NBA. I talked about it uh, a couple of games ago on the podcast. In the entire NBA, he is one of the most unstoppable forces when he's on. And he's a very consistent rebounder. I think he does hedge a little bit on on like how he rebounds and where he positions himself and when he decides to be active on the offensive board and when he doesn't. There, yeah. there is something to that in terms of like you could possibly name that stat padding. But overall, he's a very elite rebounder when he's locked in. The defensive effort I thought was decent today. I, I like the fact that he was at least like not letting people get easy baskets if he was the only defender and they were on a transition break. He was either going to foul him or he was trying to knock the ball out. I, I like that effort, man. That's really all he wanted to see. And offensively, the juggernaut, uh, all five levels. He's a five-level scorer. I, I consider him that. And he makes his free throws, and he's in, in much improved, much improved at facilitating, even that hockey assist. He, he's at least trying to get guys involved. He's trying to like to look out for whether it be Sims or RJ and did a little bit of momentum going with his teammates for a while. He was leading the team in assists. I think Brunson might've surpassed him by a percentage point, but for the first 10, 15, 20 games of the season, he was our lean assist man, which I don't know how you can call him selfish when that's the case, but I love the fact that he's been more engaged and has been preaching at least ball movement. It doesn't always happen every game, but it seems to be top of mind for him. Those are two guys that I don't have overall negative thoughts on or negative critique on. I'm standing by my man, Randall, calm out. When he plays lazy defense, but I'm rooting for him. Not simping for him. I'm rooting for him. I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, Randall had a great game tonight. 32 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. Um <clears throat> I think the one thing I like most about Randall's game this season compared to last season, I do feel like last season he camped out at the three a bit too much and shot too many threes. And this season he's cut he's cut down on the threes and he's gone to his bread and butter, which is get in the post, take that mid-range jumper in the paint, you know, do that, do that little um move that he does where he, you know, there's the little turnaround jumper, whether you know, in the middle of the court or at on the baseline, and get his points that way. Also getting to the basket, getting easy buckets. You know, when Julius Randle is playing bully ball like that, that's when he's at his best. Yep. So I'm glad to see that he's done, he's made that change to his game where he's more concentrating on the shots that he can make as opposed to as opposed to concentrating on the three-point shot where he's not as proficient. Great and point. also the fact that he can he that he's gotten better at reading double teams and passing out the ball yes. to the open shooter. That's also a positive as well. So it's good to see Julius Randall make those adjustments to his game and you just hope that it continues as the season goes on. As for Dante DiVincenzo, good game tonight. I was glad to see him finally come into the game in the fourth quarter because he was one of the few Knicks that was actually doing positive things on the court for the Knicks, especially on the offensive end where even though he wasn't scoring the ball, he was rebounding and things of that nature, you know, playing defense. Like he was trying to he was trying to do the little things to try to get the Knicks back in the game and the scoring, you know, eventually came on and he was one of the reasons why the Knicks were even able to cut into the lead, you know, late, late in the fourth quarter. So, you know, Dante and Julius Randle were the only two positives for the Knicks tonight. But although they both had a good game, it wasn't enough for them to pull it out. So, Well said, brother. Well said. Jay Ellis, what are your thoughts about Julius Randle and Dante DiVincenzo tonight? Yeah, uh, I really liked Randle's patience today. Um, I think he played his matchups to, to perfection. And I just liked how unselfish he was in the, in that second half where 
he just scored all the points in that first half, dominated everybody, knew what he, and then he just set people up. He just set people up for, you know, the whole fourth quarter. And this is the weird thing about assist numbers, because, like, Jalen Brunson had eight assists today, Randall had six. But sometimes the assist numbers kind of lie to you a little bit because Julius Randle shut up a lot more people for wide open shots than Jalen Brunson did. They just missed them. Um, and today was a perfect example. He pretty much set up everybody in that entire fourth quarter. And he played his role to perfection. If we hit shots, we win that game as badly as he played. If we hit shots, if we hit open three-point shots, we win that game. And we lost it, but it wasn't because Randall Randall did his thing today. And even defensively, like Lee said, played decently. Back-to-back decent defensive games. Um, for for Julius Randle, so I'm happy with him, and also happy for Dante Divincenzo as well, who played really good. Like I said earlier, I wanted him. I wanted him in earlier in the fourth quarter. I wanted him in earlier for Grimes in the fourth quarter because I just thought that he had more of a feel for the game. And when he came in, you saw you saw instantly that he had his imprint in the game, and he deserved to close that game. Um, yeah, great game for Dante and. Shoot, I feel like quickly could have had, could have been on his list too, but Tibbs stopped quickly. Like quickly was six for seven, and he had ten minutes in the first half. Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> all facts and um, Corey, we did talk about Brunson, and we all basically said Brunson had a bad game tonight, so we did not glance over Brunson having a bad game. So yeah, and. Yeah, I want to I want to wrap things up because, you know, late night, I know everybody got to hit the sheets. We all got work in the morning <laughs> I'm not, and I'm really not trying to stretch this no longer because it was a terrible loss by the Knicks tonight. So I just want to shout out the chat right quick before I get to the broad picks. So, you know, I want to shout out Corey Lee, Alexander Fritz, the best mod in the game, Gamers Channel. And everybody who's rocking with us tonight, Michael Cooper, thank you for rocking with us. We know it's late. But we know that you're sacrificing your sleep time, and we appreciate it. All right, so let's get to the broad picks. Um, for those that are unfamiliar, broad picks is basically the bad plays in any sport or even in life in general. So before I go, Lee, JL, do y'all have any broad picks? I'm gonna just I'm gonna pass you the ball. All right, so I have two bro picks, and the people in the chat already know where I'm going with this. <laughs> bro pick goes to Draymond Green. I don't know. This guy is unhinged. I don't know what's wrong with this man, but there was a play in the third quarter where Nurkic was guarding him, and Nurkic was kind of tugging us up in his jersey a bit, and Draymond Green thought it was appropriate to swing his arm around and smack Nurkic on the ground. This guy gets a flagrant two, gets ejected. I think it's I think it's his third ejection of the season, I think. And on top of that, what made this hilarious is that you should have saw the, the Golden State Warriors bench reaction because the, the Warriors bench reaction was like, here we go again. Like, oh, here goes this guy. Bruh. What the hell? Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Can we just end the, the Warriors' dynasty is over, right? Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> I would go all in for Steph Curry. Oh, yeah, that would be a that would be a major move right there. Hey man. Or you just keep Brunson. <laughs> hmm? I said just keep Brunson. Go Shoot. on in. I'm not saying get rid of everybody. Keep a percentage of those players, but Brunson was the only only one I wouldn't trade for Steph Curry. You you know what's but, funny? You know what's I, funny, I, Lee? You never know if it might be possible. You know what's funny, Lee? Usually I'm so, you know, we need def- a defender next to Brunson and but freaking Steph Curry, I don't know, man. <laughs> There's yeah. no way I Spider? can turn no. There's no way I Curry, can yes. <laughs> There's yeah, no sure. way I can turn that down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. That kind of trade defense is not a worm. You, you go for that man. You go for that. You go for that man. <laughs> you know who else might be interested? Might be open is Wiggins. Wiggins has been uh, benched and almost out the entire rotation. So I, I think Leon should get, stop worrying about you know reuniting Tibbs with his his his, his favorite veterans and go after Andrew Wiggins, man. That would be a great pickup for us. I think he could revitalize his career, turn around his inefficient numbers, improve his defense, and at least be a, the tall wing we've been looking for. And wouldn't have to be the second and third option. He'd be the fourth option, fifth option on this team. But he size-wise and potential, he's Cam, but actually talented and has a high motor most of the time with Golden State. Damn, Cam catching strays. Cam is Bro, I've been arguing with some bums on Twitter <laughs> all week about Cam Reddish, man. I just don't under. He's having statistically and efficiency wise one of the worst years of his careers. But his damn hive, I don't know how he has a hive to begin with. His damn hive would not shut the hell up about him going to the in season tournament and scoring like seven points in the championship game. I'm like, bruh. They can't. Bruh. They, okay, Cam Hive, you can never, call, you can never talk to me about Frank Nilakina again. I'm sorry. <laughs> you cannot talk to me about Frank Nilkina again if that's what you if you you talking about Grimes Nilkina. Come on, son. Like, yep. That's Cam Nilkina right there. Like <laughs> Scam Reddish. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, well, while Draymond Green is being suspended definitely. I guess he can practice his UFC moves. He, he can take his moves. He moves off the court and practice <laughs> at home while he's suspended indefinitely. So my second bro pick, the people in the chat, the people in the chat know where I'm going with this already. My second bro pick goes to the Indiana Pacers because the Indiana Pacers tonight were petty pantagrass, petty whatever. They were just petty tonight. So what happens is, Giannis Antetokounmpo scores 64 points, his career high. My man wanted the game ball. What did the Pacers do? They take the game ball back to the locker room to give their rookie who scored his first basket tonight. And my man Giannis was mad, losing his damn mind, running all the way to the Pacers locker room to get his damn game ball for a 64-point performance. And the Pacers were acting like as if they ain't do nothing wrong. The Pacers are just like, hey. It is what it is. Bruh. So, yeah, my puppy goes to the damn Pacers for taking my man Giannis game ball. and have my man like a madman on the damn court tonight. <laughs> Crazy. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a bro pit now. My, my bro pit's a next, I guess, for a, a really half-assed effort. And Tibbs for his hardball rotation decision-making. And I, my bro pit. Bruh. Thank you, man. I'm trying. I'm gonna try to be chill. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> My thoughts are thoughting right now. 
I'm gonna wait until like <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> I'm gonna wait till like February, March to think what I'm thinking because I'm gonna just wait. I'm gonna just wait. Because <laughs> hmm. I don't like the starting lineup, man. I don't know. I'm gonna just wait. <laughs> and there you have it. That is our show. Um Lee. Tell the audience where they can find you on social media. Y'all know what time it is. Lee's Book Club Corner, or has it been called Woke Book Club or uh, Bipolar Disorder Book Club, whatever you want to call it. Here it is. My mom's been in the hospital, uh, been reading with her one of my favorite poets when I go up there to visit her, Mary Oliver. This is her, her very first poetry collection called Devotions. She writes a lot about nature, a lot about like innocuous things like birds and plants and stones. She loved nature walks. She would go on a nature walk, find an object, and she would write about it. So I'm going to read a little bit here. Something, something I've been reading to my mom while she's been in the hospital to cheer her up. My mom loves poetry. One of the reasons why I read so much is my mom. So I'm going to read something to y'all. Cheer you up. You know, get your mentor right. Get perspective right. Take a walk. Smoke a J. Go outside. So I'm going to do a little something before I tell you what my Twitter handle is so you can roast me for this. This, t- this poem's called Lodos. Very short. Why wonder about the loaves and the fishes? If you say the right words, the wine expands. If you say them with love and the felt ferocity of that love and the felt necessity of that love, the fish explode into many. Imagine him speaking and don't worry about what is really or what is plain or what is mysterious. If you can imagine it, it is all of those things. Eat. Drink, be happy, accept the miracle, accept too each spoken word, spoken with love. Find me on Twitter at underscore Leah Strabido, L E E E S C O B E D O, or go in Twitter bar search, hashtag bum, guarantee UFC one of my threads. He's snapping right there. I wasn't clapping. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Jay. Wish you to see you, my man. <laughs> And there we have it, people. Not only do you get Knicks basketball on here, Knicks, I, 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 well, I should say, not only do we talk Knicks basketball here, you also get poetry on here as well and book club recommendations. So, you know, big up Lee for that. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sir G is Chilling. Sir G is Chilling. That's S-I-R-G-S-H-I-L-L-I. And you can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. And Jail, it's like, I guess you can run down all the KOT handles. Yeah, uh, the KLT show on Twitter, the Nick and Time show on Instagram, the Nick Time show on Facebook. And hey, any super chats are welcome because I'm going to use them to buy a new camera, right? <laughs> <laughs> God, John just blew Back. out right before the show. That's just crazy. <laughs> and that is our show, Gamers Channel. No OnlyFans reference tonight. I guess tonight we are. Ignoring that, we'll we'll probably bring it back for the next show if you know if the Knicks stink it up again against the Suns, but hopefully not. So that is our show, everyone. Thank you for watching, and as always, shut out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. Some mess out here in these Nick YouTube shirts. <laughs> that is our show right here. Peace. Come, 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 come straight out, out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. Uh,